Welcome, beloved. Welcome. You know you are beloved of God, don't you? I love to greet you that way because that's who you are. And I'm going to move this because I can't see some faces. Super glad to be here with you. It's kind of surprising it's been four years. I think we studied Esther, right? Was Esther the last one? Right? Love Esther. I know. Is that your favorite book? I know. It's one of my favorites, too. And you know, the truth is... We have done um, the theme of abiding in Christ before, um, but you have to hearken all the way back to 1999, <laughs> a very long time ago. Now, I think, I think April, Cindy, Ty, Teresa, Sally, we're here. Anybody else that I'm not thinking of? All of us old folks um, back then, yeah. But it's an interesting thing because I never actually, even though I'm in charge of the whole retreat, I didn't get to even be here for the retreat that I was supposed to teach on abiding in Christ because I had to abide in Christ. And what happened was I got up to the retreat center here and uh, within an hour, Teresa knocks on my door. This is before cell phones and texting and all of those things, right? And um, she comes and goes, something's happened. There's been an emergency with your son. You need to go home right now. So she drove me home all the way to the hospital. And my son was, well, the emergency room. Tyler was nine, I guess, eight or nine, I guess. It's 99, right? In 98, 99, must have been. I don't know. Anyway, I'm pretty sure it was 99. And uh, what had happened was he was in our backyard, and we had a trampoline and a deck. And my um, father-in-law, they were coming in for dinner. My father-in-law said, they said, well, just one more football catch. You know, that one more. <laughs> Poor guy, never, you know. And he threw it from the deck, and Tyler ran to catch it, caught the ball, and turned and hit the trampoline with his, with his mouth. Yeah. And knocked out almost like a little tiny sliver here. And this one was half, and he was purple and black. And, and Troy was, ah! And call Rebecca. <laughs> and so <laughs> we all have our strengths. <laughs> and uh, and they're out there. Do we look for the tooth? What do we do? You know, what do we do? So uh, I met them at the emergency room. And I remember uh, I left all of my notes and my Bible uh, in my room. And I walked out and waved to Ave and others. And I was like, I'm abiding. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to abide in the Lord, you know, and walked out. And uh, so then uh, Ave, I believe, and I don't know who all else, took my notes and taught from the notes. And so I think it was probably a really, really good retreat. But um, we haven't done it since then. And I'm just was, I was thinking I was having a little, you know, PTSD. <laughs> Nobody call me, you know. I have a phone now. They could get me. But everybody seems to be fine and we're happy. But we are going to be talking about John chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at abiding in Christ. We're going to be talking about that theme for this weekend, taken from that chapter, where Jesus tells his disciples to abide in two things, to abide in him and to abide in his love. This is some of my favorite portions of scripture, um, and it's a simple instruction, but it's one with profound impact, both for the positive and for the negative. The positive, if we do that, if we remain, if we obey, if we continue with Christ, or negatively, conversely, if we choose not to as believers. So it's very simple and straightforward, but it is not passive. 
It is not something that just happens because you keep coming to church. That's part of it, but that is not all of it. So we, we are going to be looking at this uh, over the course of the weekend. And you know, um, my prayer is that the washing of the water of the word, the fellowship of the saints, will refresh you and instruct you and comfort you. Because we've all come to events like this, you know, in all types of disarray at times, right? Sometimes we come in and things aren't so great. Things are hard at work, things are hard at home, things are hard with our children, things are hard, um, just life is happening. And as I've gotten older, it's not 1999 anymore. <laughs> when, um, that's life. Life is full of that. And so when we come away and we make this choice to go, Lord, I'm going to seek you this weekend, I want to commend you and go, praise God, that he's so pleased with that and it's the right place to be. Because the Lord has these feasts, as we know of, right? And you may have heard me say this before, but the children of Israel had, had feasts and festivals that were required. Not all of them were required, but there were several that were, where they were to come away from the daily life. They were to pack up all their stuff, whatever it is they would need, even their food and their children, which you didn't have to bring, either one of those, and um, went away to worship the Lord. It was, a, it was a commitment they made yearly to go away and, and to just worship and just fellowship and just be in the presence of the Lord. And so this is our version of that. It is not required, but it is certainly beneficial and such a blessing. And so I just want to tell you, great job just being here. Even if you barely made it, even if you got caught in the rain, you got lost on your way, whatever it is, you're a little uncomfortable because you don't know your roommate, all of that, that's okay. You made it here, and the Lord has a word for you. Because as Janet mentioned, we've been praying for you for weeks. We've been praying that the Lord would prepare your heart for this, that he would bring you here, and that he would have a special word just for you. And I know that he's faithful to do that. Because the word of God will be central, and it is the Holy Spirit anointing of the word of God in our hearts that makes the difference. So I'm glad that you're here. I want you to be welcomed and comfortable and we're just praying that the Lord will continue to minister to you, whether you've come in with excitement and joy and anticipation or whether you've drug in a, a few burdens that you're carrying. Um, I know that the Lord will meet you here and me as well. So let's just have a, one more quick prayer before we get into it, this um, study. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you for your word that instructs us. Thank you for the benefit of being with believers, Lord, other women who are walking the same path. We, we're so grateful, Lord. There's such strength and encouragement in that, and we're grateful. So thank you for this word. I pray that, Lord, your spirit would just fill my mouth with your words, and that, Lord, you would speak truly, Lord, to your women who you love. In Jesus' name and for his glory, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... If you remember, too, in fact, I don't know if I saw it. Did the chocolate get out? We didn't get the chocolate out on the table, so we dropped the ball on that one. Chocolate's coming. You, you, if you've been to any of our events, you know that chocolate is representative for you of something that God is giving to you that you need to unwrap and take. It's not something that's just going to sit there and you're going to go, oh, that's my favorite chocolate. I have chocolate in my room. I like kind of have this hoard of chocolate because we stopped at the gas station and I was like, <laughs> you know, and um, 
Almond Joy and Butterfinger and Baby Ruth and Reese's Pieces. Uh, yeah, come to my room. And, um, but we, we usually have that out there, and we will, because we want you to not just admire it, not just to say, oh, I've had it before, and I love it, and that's my favorite, but not touching it. Because when the Lord comes around with his tray and offers to you the morsel of encouragement or blessing or promise or comfort or challenge and rebuke or whatever it might be, we need to take that. And, and it's good, right? We take it and we don't just put it in our pocket for later. We don't think, oh, it's good for somebody else. It's for you and it's for me. And so we'll get the chocolate out there for next time. But let's go ahead and read um, the first um, 17 verses of John chapter 15. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Now, if you're familiar with the characters of the Bible, how many times does he talk about love here? You would have to kind of know that this is John, right? John is the almost undisputed author of this book. There's always outliers. There's always people who go, oh, no, it can't be John, but it's pretty obviously that this is John. I need a tissue. Can I get a tissue? My nose is like running. Um, so just as an introduction by way of context, we're going to start there, and then we're going to get into um, the message, which the title... Oh, sorry. This works. It's just going to be a little, little Downton Abbey dab. Um, so we're going to just have the introduction, give some context. We're going to talk about it. But the, the title of today's message, tonight's message, is Pruned for a Purpose. Because the abiding part starts at the beginning, but he goes immediately, verse 2, right into pruning. So that's what we're going to focus on. But just as context, just for understanding, John, being pretty much the undisputed author of the book, he is the son of Zebedee, one of the sons of thunder, right? Thank you so much. And um, 
So he has, he's the guy that has the pretty involved mom, right? The mom that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want my sons to be on your right hand and left. And Jesus was like, you don't even know what you're asking. And uh, she's like, oh, no, they'll be great. They're wonderful. Typical mom. My kids are perfect. You should take them. Um, but so this is who John is. He refers to himself as the, the, um, the one who Jesus loved, right? The disciple whom Jesus loved. I mean, I love that humility. I love that sense of love. No, I do. I think it's humble. I think it's, it's not like I'm John. I'm the guy that he chose. I think it's like he loved me. You know, I, I, I do. Maybe, maybe I'm silly, but that's what I think. Um, but he wrote five New Testament books, this gospel, first, second, and third, John, and then the book of Revelation, right? So this is John. He had a lot to say. The Lord gave him a lot. He got to walk with the Lord Jesus. He got to talk with the Lord Jesus. He got to lay his head on the breast of Jesus. I mean, uh, he had a pretty privileged position. He was there when um, Jesus took them to the mount for the transfiguration. Uh, he had a lot. He was the one that Jesus commissioned to take care of his mother when he was on the cross. This guy has a lot to say and a lot of experience. And when you're looking at a book, if you remember this from school, you, you look at what the thesis is, right? What's the thesis statement? And so when you're looking at a book like this, the thesis statement, in fact, what's the purpose of the book is actually found in John chapter 20, verse 30. He says, I'm writing these things that you may believe. He's like, I want you to believe these things. He saw it with his own eyes. Right? He, as, as Peter wrote, hey, these aren't things we just made up. We touched. We handled. We, we know these things are true. We witnessed them. So, Jesus, so John is an eyewitness of all of these things. And he's writing down this sermon um, that Jesus had given to them. This is um, his second um, discourse, his second um, sermon. Sort of like the second Sermon on the Mount some people refer to it as. So that would be the, the and, and if you want to look at this chapter, is there a thesis verse in this chapter? I bet we could have good, discu good discussion on that. Perhaps it is, greater love has no one than this, right? Then a man laid down his life for his friends. Maybe it would be one of my favorite verses, as you'll maybe know, is verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Um, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain so anyway, I don't know what it is, but this is who he is, John. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Um, we have here what Jesus is instructing us, which is, I want you to abide. I want you to abide, and I want, he gives this image of, of a vine and a vine dresser, right, and the branch and the tree. So when, whenever we say vine, think trunk, because I often am thinking vine, and I'm, it doesn't, in my head it doesn't translate as well, but he's talking about the source, isn't he? So I'm about the trunk and the branch, right? I'm the vine, you're the branch. Do you guys remember singing that song? He is the vine and we are the branches. His banner over me is love. Yeah, there's, yeah everybody remember that. Um, so this is John, and he's speaking here, um, writing down what Jesus spoke about, and, and Jesus is saying, I want you to remain. He said, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. As branches, so there's, again, there's two images in this chapter that we're going to go through. One of them is that we are the branch. The other one is that we are the friend. Both of them have responsibilities, and both of them have privileges. Because um, as branches, we have the privilege of sharing his life, because the branch has no life apart from the vine. And as his friends, um, oh, but we have the responsibility of abiding, 
And as friends, we have the privilege of knowing his will and the responsibility of obeying his will. So this is what we're looking at here. And the vine is not a new concept for this audience, okay? Because God in the Old Testament had called Israel his vine. And in Psalm chapter 80, it refers to that. And there are two or three other verses, and I don't know why they're not in my notes, but where God is like, this is the vine. I've planted you. I've put you in my vineyard. I've done everything for you. What else more, what more could I do? So this would definitely be a concept that they'd be familiar with. Oh, yes, I understand what he's doing. But this is Jesus taking that on to himself. This is Jesus going, okay, yeah, so you've heard about how God, you know, um, in times past has called himself, you know, that you guys are, yeah, that's, that's me. And I'm the true vine. So he's not introducing something new to them. They would have understood the concept. And Jesus picks it up and applies it to himself. And he's like, look, this is me. He picks up the imagery and says, I am the true vine. And I love it. He doesn't just say, I'm the vine. You should follow me on the vine. He says, I'm not just the vine. I'm the true vine. Because there have been a lot of people who have said, oh, I can get you to God. I know how to get you to God. And that's still happening today, isn't it? All these people that are calling themselves vines. Oh, yeah, I'm connected. I can get you. You just connect to me, and you're going to get to God. But Jesus is like, nope, I'm the true vine, which by default is the opposite of false. It's the opposite of simulated. It's the opposite of counterfeit. It's the opposite of fictitious and pretended. Jesus is like, I'm the true vine. I am legitimate, and it's real. If you connect with me, you are going to be connected to the Father, and you're going to be able to bear fruit. You're going to have, essentially, life. Because we've all seen branches on the side of the road. They don't have life. They're dead. They're dry. If they're not dry yet, they will be. Why? Because they are not connected to the vine. They have no source of life. And so Jesus is like, if you remain with me, you're going to have life because I am the true vine. In fact, um, that word in um, Greek means exactly what I just mentioned, opposite of counterfeit, fictitious, simulated, or pretended. It's aletheinos. And so we, because we are connected to him, we are now receiving his life. And this is actually the seventh and final I am statement that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. Do you remember the other I am statements? I like to, um, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. And I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And now here, I am the true vine. So it depends on how you count it. It depends on where you're looking in the scriptures. But this is the, the final one in the book of, of John. And so he's like, look, I'm the real deal. I am not an imitation or a likeness. I'm not just like. You know, God, I'm not just doing nice, good things for people. I'm actually the true vine. And if you connect yourself to me, you will have life. And that is where we have spiritual life, isn't it? It's through Christ alone. He's like, apart from me, what did we read? Nothing. Nothing. Apart from Christ, we have no life. We have no purpose. We will bear no fruit. We will be lost. We will dry up. We will, we will prove ourselves to have been removed from the branch from the vine who is Christ. There are many false vines and people who will try to pull us away from the simplicity of being connected to Christ through faith. But Jesus is like, if you connect your life to me, you will have everything that you need. Those of us who have placed our trust in Christ for salvation, have repented of our sin and chosen to make Jesus Christ Lord, have been attached to Christ and his life flows through us. Just as the life and the sap 
of the of the um, the vine goes to the branches, and it's a beautiful picture for us, isn't it? I mean, it makes such perfect sense. If I stay connected, I will have life, and the, the and there are every. You know, every metaphor, every allegory, even every parable has a limit to its application because we understand a branch cannot of its own volition detach from a tree. It can be detached because of a storm or because somebody knocks it off or something like that, right? But a branch doesn't have the ability to just go, I'm detaching today. It doesn't do that. So that's where this, that uh, has a limitation because we can. We can decide for ourselves and go, I don't think I want that life. I don't think I want the life of a Christian. I think I want to try this other thing. I think maybe I could find more fulfillment, more fruit in my life if I detach myself from Christ and that limitation. Because being connected to Christ limits us, doesn't it? Because God is holy, right? And these are commands here, and he does. And we're going to talk later tomorrow about how our love is proven in obedience. It's not proven in words that we speak necessarily. It is proven when we obey the Lord. And so, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, he, it's, it's not an easy word here to say abide. But when we choose to separate ourselves from, from Christ, we are separating ourselves from life, from spiritual life. We, we won't find spiritual life anywhere else if we detach ourselves from the Lord. But if we stay connected to him, if we recognize that that's the best place for us, then we are going to have life. We are going to have fruit. We are going to have purpose. All those good things that we're going to get to through the weekend. Everything that we need is found in him. Everything a branch need is found in the vine. So then here we go with our next picture, and it is that God is the vine dresser. And when you read vine dresser, you can read husbandman if you want. Depends on your version, too. Uh, but if you want to just think it simply, just think gardener, right? This is the guy that's tending to the garden, and this is the father. So let's just read again a couple of verses. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And then he continues to talk about being abiding. But he talks now and says that, hey, look, I am um, the vine and, and my father is the vine dresser. So before we get too caught up into the taking away part, the being burned part, um, which we will mention again tomorrow, I want to say that you already have fruit because you believe in Christ Jesus. That's the fruit, right? It's the fruit. The fruit of your faith is salvation. So you have that. So now you belong to him, and the father comes along and goes, this is my vine. I'm going to tend to it. I'm going to tend to this vine who is now this branch, rather, that is connected to me, and I'm going to tend to it. So here we go. God is the vine dresser, the gardener. Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. It's a beautiful connection. But I want to talk to you for a few minutes about this pruning thing because um, the Lord comes at us with perfect knowledge and perfect love for us and he lovingly comes to us with his heavenly you know garden shears or maybe he comes with the little clippers maybe he comes with a chainsaw I'm not sure <laughs> depends what happens when we first get saved in Christ I think the Lord had to lop a lot out of my life can anyone relate to that the Lord had to come and go, oh, girl, you're mine and I love you, but this thing's dead. 
this thing's ugly, this thing doesn't serve you, this thing is diseased, and it all needs to go. And this is what a good gardener does, because he looks at the tree and goes, the purpose of the tree is fruit. And you can choose whichever fruit you want to be, whichever tree tonight, you can choose. I'm deciding I'm going to be a peach tree. I'm going to choose peach. And y'all can, <laughs> can choose whatever you like, whatever makes sense to you. You can be the vine, you can be the grapes, you can be the apples, you can be whatever you like. But something that's bearing fruit, because that's the whole purpose, right? The whole purpose of the Lord bringing you to Christ and to salvation is that you would belong to him and that he would then care for you. Because, you know, we need to understand that people in the world, when we get so frustrated with them, they have nobody tending to them. All that dead stuff, all that bacteria, all that disease, all that dirt that brings stuff into their life that then affects you is because they don't have a husbandman. They're a wild vine. And, you know, the Lord does rebuke his people for being wild at times, and the Lord has to come along and take care of that. But they have no husbandman. They don't have a gardener. They don't have anyone tending to them. Can't you tell the difference in your neighborhood between the people who are outside all the time taking care of their yard and the ones who are not? Mm -hmm. he, he tends to you. And, and one of the things that he knows is that if he does not prune you, you will not bear fruit. Or if you do, you will bear very little fruit. You will bear weak fruit, small fruit, not the potential of fruit that he intends for you to have. So he comes along and he comes to us when we are saved. We belong to him. We are in him. We don't need to be taken away. He can prune us because we belong to him. So he can come along and go, I know what's going to be best for you. And this thing needs to go. This attitude, this pursuit, this emotion, this feeling that you've been coddling. It's not pleasing to me and it's not good for you. So it needs to go. So he comes along and he attends to us um, with those shears. Now, I'm sure that if the tree could talk, the tree wouldn't like it and would probably say, ouch, and oops, and back off and go away and don't get near me with those things. But if the tree understood that they were going to grow and they were going to be more fruitful and stronger and healthier, they'd be like, yeah, cut off whatever you need to cut off, gardener. Because who is it holding the shears? It's the father who sent his only son. And, who, and the scripture says, if he has sent his only son, surely what else would he keep back from you? Right? Nothing. And so he comes and goes, I want you to be the very best you. And this piece right here is growing funky. <laughs> and I need to snip it. I need to snip it off. And so that's what he does. But he only snips on purpose. He only snips with a reason. So we become fruitful when we are pruned. And I'm always amazed um, at the time of pruning around town where they are cutting these things to sticks. And I remember that Troy and I had some azalea bushes in our front yard. And they're beautiful and they're lovely. And he would get out there with the shears, man, and he would just be like, <sighs> you know, and I'm like, you're just enjoying that. That's why it got so small. You, you didn't, you were just trying to, you know, you ever try to fix it? Have you ever, ever had your mother try to cut your hair? <laughs> and then you end up with shorter bangs and shorter bangs. I mean, I have pictures. I should pull them out. You guys will crack up. I will Maybe I won't. Some, someday. You come to my house, I'll show them to you. My sister and I, 
<laughs> our bangs are like super short and they're all crooked because mom was trying to fix them. And I and I'm, I'm I was like, oh Troy, that you know he's out there just trying to prune, but he would go it would go so far. He's like. I'm like, there's no way that's healthy for that bush. I mean, you, you got it down to sticks, and Troy would always go, trust me. Trust me. It's not too much. It's exactly what these bushes need. And sure enough, if he wasn't right again, those bushes, whoosh, come right back. And it, it amazes me every time. And the Lord reminds me, if I'm making things seem strict to you, Rebecca, if I'm pulling things back so hard that you feel like it's too much, it's the same word. Trust me. Trust me, Rebecca. If I am cutting those things back, it's because I want you to bear more fruit. Because there are two reasons that the gardener prunes. He cuts away the dead because it's not beneficial to the health of the branch. It has no purpose. It's moldy. It's parasitic. It's just growing wrong, and it's going to sap the strength of the tree away from the, the, um, the branches that need to bear the fruit. And I love the picture of that. So he cuts away the dead, and then he also cuts away the live tissue in order that more fruit might remain. Because there is a progression, progression, if you noticed it in this chapter, it's no fruit, fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Which one would you want if you're the tree? If you had a tree in your yard, how many of you have fruit trees in your yard like that are like, uh-huh, I'm going coming over to your house. They're beautiful and they're beneficial and they're lovely and they I mean a very healthy tree is is a wonderful thing, but it takes cutting away sometimes the good branches. Why? Because it's the, what the husbandman, what the gardener is trying to do is to push the energy into the healthy parts of the tree that it might get more fruit. Because when you have small, tiny shoots and all, there's energy going there and it, and it needs to be directed, right, into the parts of the tree, the branches that are going to bear the most fruit. So he understands and directs the energy that way. I owned a peach tree and I've talked about it before. Um, and in fact, I don't know, Megan Weeks, if it was um, the last one when we were talking about the voles. Was that the Esther? No, it was before then? Was it before? Okay, well, anyway, I had a peach tree in my backyard, in my house that we moved away from. Um, and I was so excited to finally have a tree, and I was very excited about it. And so I read up about it. You know, you have YouTube videos of how to do it, and talk to the guy we bought the tree from, and we planted it. And so it was. It grew. It said to kind of let it go for like the first year or whatever. It finally got like about like this, and I had to go out to that tree and shape it, which meant I had to look at all of these branches in the middle that were perfectly fine. There was nothing wrong with the branches. They were not. They were not brown, they were not dead, they were not diseased, they were nothing. I had to just cut them out because peach trees have to have a certain shape in order to have the best benefit of growth, right? If you really want peaches, then you have to shape the tree into the, the, um, the way it's supposed to grow. It has to look a certain way, it has to be a certain shape. So if I remember correctly, it was like the middle because it's supposed to be more like a V. And if there were branches down here that were too small, you have to cut them off. And you guys, there was nothing wrong with those branches. And it broke my heart because I'm like, I want peaches. And there's a branch and there's buds. And I might get a peach there. But, but wisdom said, you got to cut that off. You got to cut it off because it's energy going in too many places. Can anybody relate in their life to their energy going to too many places? 
this is the word for us tonight. Because the Lord wants to come along and he wants to go, this is good and it's bearing some fruit, but I want you to bear more fruit, so I want to cut this off. What? It's a good thing. Lord, it has green leaves on it. And the Lord goes, I'm not looking for leaves. I'm looking for fruit. And if you want to bear the best fruit for the kind of tree that I have for you, I'm sh I need to shape you. And I got to cut off that stuff that is just taking your energy away from the fruit that I want to see in your life. What a word for us this evening. So the father comes up with loving hands and his, and his pruning shears and he cuts away what is dead, what is not beneficial, and sometimes he cuts away the live tissue in order that we might put our energies into things that are going to bear fruit for his kingdom. So if the Lord comes along this weekend and taps on your shoulder and goes, this thing is totally okay, but I don't want it for you anymore. Because I'm trying to shape you. And what is the image that the Lord is trying to shape us into? Christ, right? We are all little Christ trees, and we want to look like Jesus the most, right? Now, I've shared this at our women's Bible study, but I'm going to share it again. When Troy and I went to Montana, and we did our whole trip, when he did the whole fishing thing, and I sat in the back, and it rained and hailed, and it was fun, yeah. Um, <laughs> the trip actually was an amazing trip, but we actually also went to um, Mount Rushmore. Have you all been to Mount Rushmore before? It is a national monument, it's beautiful, it's in South Dakota. Um, four presidents are carved on that uh, huge mountain, it's amazing. And when you get there, you're, I don't know how far away from it, but there is no doubt when you get there who you're looking at. You know exactly, oh, that's George Washington, that's Teddy Roosevelt, oh, that, you know, you know exactly, Thomas Jefferson. You know who you're looking at immediately. And you know, when somebody started there, you know what they had to use to, st to carve the nose? Dynamite, right? They had to blow up some stuff in order to get the image they were looking for. Because now I can walk up and go, I know who that is. They didn't just use dynamite. They have to start with dynamite. And then they get closer with smaller things that are a little more finite, right? A little more fine, a little more finesse. And I think that's what the Lord does in our lives. Because he wants people to walk by your life and go, she looks like Jesus. She looks just like the Lord. And sometimes the Lord goes, I got to put a little TNT in your life, honey. Because I want to shape that nose. <laughs> that, that ear doesn't quite look like Jesus' ear, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow that up. Or I'm going to come in with a chisel and I'm going to knock some of this off because this doesn't look how I need you to look. And so he comes in and goes, I want you to have fruit. I want you to be exactly who you're supposed to be so that Christ would be glorified, right, in our lives. Because he says right there in verse, uh, several of the verses, but, oh, verse 8, by this my father is glorified that he can hack you to bits and you look like sticks and you have no joy. No, that's not what it says. But sometimes that's what we think and that's how we act, isn't it? When the Lord goes, I'm changing things up for you. And maybe it's, it, again, I'm not talking about sin. Sin is part of it. Sin is the dead part, the bacteria part. That's the sin part, right? Usually. But this part is, I want to change things up because I want to get more fruit. I'm so pleased with what you're doing that I want to shift gears for you. And it's not going to look like it looked before. It's going to look different, but it's going to be better. I'm going to be able to be glorified in your life. And isn't that what we want? 
Isn't that what we declare every Sunday and every Wednesday through at least one of our worship songs? We're going, Lord, be magnified. Lord, be glorified. All these things we're saying to him, he's like, okay, I'm answering that prayer. Let's change it up. And our problem is change is not always easy for us. Some of us love change. Like by the time I paint a wall, I'm going, I don't know, next time I'm going to change the color. Like, I mean, I, I'm ridiculous when it comes to that. But not always with things in my life do I want them to change. Change can be really difficult. And especially if it's something that's been so good, but now God is going, I'm switching it. I just, I want to change it because you've been obedient and I've seen fruit and there's been glory to my name. Jesus has been glorified in you so that's awesome. Let's cut that off and move over here. Let's send our energy to this branch so that we can get more fruit for the kingdom of God. So if that's where you are tonight, or if the Lord is, is starting that change and you're not really understanding why it seems like he's coming and lopping stuff off, perhaps he's just going, I want you to have more fruit. I want you to see me in a better way, and I want to glorify myself in your life in this way. And if your energy, sometimes like mine, I have 12 things that I want to do, and if I try all 12, how many of them am I going to be very good at? Right? I mean, let's just be honest. We only have so much physical energy, emotional energy, spiritual energy, mental energy, right, to put towards things. And if we try to spread ourselves into all of these branches, because I want to see fruit in all these places, then the Lord's going, no, 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 honey. We need to focus that energy into the things that I'm calling you to do. And those things were good before, but they're not good anymore. I want to do a new thing. And so that's what the Holy Spirit is, is saying to us tonight. Pruning is a beneficial tool for the believer. Because the Lord comes along. And you know what? The gardener is never as close to the tree as he is when he's pruning. He has to be right up next to you to be saying to you, these things need to change. Let's, let's put our energies here. As he cuts away some things that are fine and green, but they're not what he wants anymore. So when I shaped that tree, it became healthy, and I was awarded the next year with a nice crop of, pe of pe uh, peaches, but I had to prune. If I had not pruned, I would not have received the benefit. I would not have, the purpose of the tree would not have been um, found. So how many things are taking your energy tonight? If it's too many things, I want to say that if I'm, I know for me, if I am too spread out like that, I am way more prone to feeling inadequate and feeling anxious and feeling frustrated and angry and that I'm not up to the mark and I can never get anything done, frustrated. But if I will allow the Lord to focus me, my energy, my time, my gifts into just those branches that, that he knows are going to bear the most fruit, I find the joy that he talks about here. And the problem is we're looking for life in other places. We're looking for joy in other places. And we think the more that's going on, the better. Not necessarily. Sometimes we need to scale things way back. I know when I f uh, finally quit working and I was able to stay at home, I was like, okay, these are the things. Because when it's hard to work and have a home, and if you have children, and, and to handle all of that, right? It's a lot. And I remember going, okay, this is, this is just the Lord stripped it down. In my mind, I was like, if I can make dinner, 
I can have a quiet time with the Lord, and if I can um, make sure that the house is clean, that's a victory. That's a victory. How simple and small is that life? That's a small life, isn't it? I mean, that's not a lot going on. That doesn't include, of course, ministry that I always have been involved in. But on my day-to-day, I'm not at work 8 to 5 anymore. If I can do those things, I've done what I should be doing, right? So anything else is going to be, you know, what the Lord would bring. So we may need to focus on giving our energy to just those things that the Lord is speaking to us. And you know what? If there's something dead or something dirty, you know, the muddy leaves that hang in the, on the ground, those breed disease, don't they? Right? You know, we have all heard of the diseases and the parasites. I mean, what is the tomato slug or something, that ugly little thing that gets on tomato plants? Right? Those things can be bred when, there's, when it's not a clean branch. Because I always think it's really interesting in verse 3. What, he's talking about branches and vines and pruning and gardens and trees. And then he goes, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. It's like, what? What are we talking about? That word is translated the same way. Um, as clean is um, is pruned, so it's the same. It's the same thing. The Lord's like, look, you know, remember when when um, Jesus was was washing the disciples' feet, and remember what he said when he came to Peter. Peter was like, no, you can't wash my feet, Lord, and he's like, if I don't wash you then you have no part with me, right? And then Peter was like, oh, well, then do my whole body. Yeah, uh, head to foot, then that's fine. I, I mean, Peter wanted to be right, but he just, his mouth, mm, mm. Anybody else can relate to him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Jesus said, no, it's just your feet. If you're already washed, if you're already clean, you're just muddy, dirty from walking around in the world, I need to wash that, right? So this is what the Lord is saying. He's like, look, you're already clean. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus, but you've been walking around and allowing the dirt to stay. And that's not healthy for you. You belong to me. And because I'm your husbandman, because I'm your vine dresser, I'm coming along. I got to wash that off. And he does it through the word of God, right? He does it through fellowship of the saints. Somebody comes along and just washes you with the word of God. And it's like, oh, yeah, it washes off that, that bad, dirty thing that, that is hanging on and that's dangerous for me. If I go down that road with that thought, then that's going to lead me uh, to disease and bitterness and anger. I need to let the Lord wash that off. And remind me. So pruning is a beneficial tool. It is the Father that does it, the one who gave his only son for us. So we needn't fear when the Lord says, I'm going to change things. Or when life changes things. And the Lord goes, okay, now your energy is changing from that thing to this thing. And we go, but I like that thing, not that thing. And the Lord goes, no, but you need to not do that thing. You need to do that thing. Whatever that is, thing one, thing two. May the Lord give us obedient hearts to allow him to do what he needs to do. Because maybe we love that thing that we've been serving in or doing for such a long time, and the Lord's going, it's time for you to let that go, because I have another thing for you. So he comes and he he takes away the dead and the diseased. I mean, think about who he's teaching here, the disciples. Who was the one disciple that needed to be removed? Judas, right? I mean, you know, he needed to certainly be removed from the dead branches. Um, But when the Lord comes to our lives and goes, look, I want you to bear more fruit, and I have these changes in mind, may we respond with, yes, Lord. May we respond with, Lord, whatever you have, because you love me. And I love it when you're close to me, Lord. So 
Take out anything that isn't pleasing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you that we belong to your vineyard, Lord. We belong to your orchard. We are yours. And because we are yours, Lord, we're already clean. Lord, we are connected to the branch. Lord, we are the, to the vine, rather. Lord, we are connected to Christ, and all of our life comes through him. And Lord, I thank you that you come along with your pruning shears, and Lord, you take away what is not pleasing. You take away what is offensive to you. And you take away those things that, Lord, are scattering our energy and not allowing us to bear the fruit that you desire from our lives. Lord, I pray that we would be women, Lord, who would respond with yes, Lord, when you come at us. Lord, with, with hearts and lives that just stay there and allow you to do what you want to do. Lord, because we want to be fruitful women, Lord. We want to be women who, whose lives glorify you. So we pray, Lord, that you would just um, continue the work that you started. And Lord, if that means there's some pruning that needs to happen, Lord, some shaping, that you would have your way in it. Lord, you are Lord, you are master, you are the gardener, you are in charge, Lord. And I thank you that you are good, that you are the one who gave your only son for us. So of course, whatever you do will be good, it will be the best for us. So thank you, Lord, for my sisters. They are beloved, and I pray, Lord, that this would be encouraging to them and um, that, Lord, you would continue that work in each of us even as we fellowship. We thank you for this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.